Today on Blue 58, I was wrong, and I'm happy to admit it. The Packers pulled off a big win in Chicago. How'd they do it? Let's discuss. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be rooting for the 1-0 and Green Bay Packers. As you probably know, I predicted the Packers would be 0-1 to start their season. I was wrong. I'm quite happy about it. How did that happen? We'll talk about it. First, I'd like to remind you that this podcast is sponsored in part by Ticket King Wisconsin. Excited about the big win for the Packers in week one? I am. You should follow it up by checking out the next week's game in person at Lambeau Field, where the Packers will be taking on the Vikings next Sunday at noon local time. Visit theticketking.com for tickets. So what happened tonight? This was an upset. The Packers upset the Bears. Make no mistake about it. This was an upset. The Bears were favored. They were at home. They had significant strengths that offset the Packers' strengths, but the Packers got it done. So why did it happen? That's the interesting question here. Let's talk about a couple things, starting with the defense, because I think this game was first and foremost about the Packers' defense. Last year, the tendency for Mike Pettin and the Packers' defense was to start pretty slow. The opposing team got out to a a hot offensive start, but Pettin and the crew slowly figured things out as the game went on and eventually locked things down and got things under control and gave the Packers a chance to either win the game or get back in it as things wore on in the second half. This time, it seems like the Bears had one good drive, maybe two. Then Pettin and everybody were locked in. That could be just the, the difference of having more good players on defense, but it could be a couple other things. First, I think he figured out Mitch Trubisky uh, faster than I would have expected, and I think the Bears expected. There's a scene in the office where uh, Robert California interviews for the manager job at Dunder Mifflin, and he ends up running into Dwight in the in the uh, like entryway to the office building, and he just stares him down for a second. And Dwight says, "What are you doing?" He said, "Figuring," and he says, "Figuring you out." And Dwight says, "Don't do that." and Robert California just answers too late. It's already done. That's uh, that's kind of the feeling I got from Mike Pettin looking at Mitchell Trubisky tonight. Because as the game wore on, after a couple good plays by Trubisky early, it seemed like any of the big offensive plays the Bears had were plays where they pretty obviously just schemed a guy open. And it wasn't necessarily Trubisky making a play, just the offense providing him with an opportunity to make a play. There's a small but significant difference there, and I think that was what happened here. Mike Pettin managed to take away Mitchell Trubisky, the good parts of Mitchell Trubisky, and it hurt the Bears in a big way. Secondly, the pass rush was consistent tonight. Not great, but consistent. Uh, Trubisky didn't get taken down just tons, but he didn't look comfortable a whole lot either. It's not like the Packers were getting in there on each and every play, though they did have, what is it, five sacks total? More than you would have thought. But... but they were, they were consistent. It wasn't like they just got boom or bust pressure either. They managed to get to the quarterback regularly. And it was good to see both Preston and Zadarius Smith pick up sacks. More on uh, Zadarius' sack a little bit later on in the podcast. So consistent pass rush, a good one. And you even had some of that schemed pressure like we saw from uh, Mike Pettin and the Packers last year that resulted in Blake Martinez getting a sack tonight, yesterday, whenever you happen to be listening to this. Thirdly, the coverage was good enough. Allen Robinson was excellent. But it's okay, I think, if you only have one guy on the opposing team 
making plays, unless it's somebody like prime Randy Moss, then you're probably screwed no matter uh, how much you shut down the rest of the, the opposing pass catcher core. Other than Robinson, they really didn't let anybody get super loose, especially not Tariq Cohen, who I called out in the in the preview show as a potential big threat for the Packers. Uh, they love to get him involved in a variety of ways, and even though he was getting the ball a fair amount, he never really got loose in any of those particular plays. He had 10 targets total, only resulted in 49 yards and a long of nine for Cohen on the night. That's good. Then finally, third downs were unreal. Both teams were not great on on third down, and part of that is good defense. Part of that is probably just sloppy play by both teams here early in the season. But the Packers kept the Bears pretty consistently locked down on third downs to the point that until the the Bears' second-to-last drive of the game, their last real drive, the one on which Trubisky threw the the game-deciding interception, the Bears hadn't converted a, a, a third down in the entire second half. That was huge. The Packers got the Bears off the field. They got them into third downs, then got them off the field. That was uh, that was excellent. On the offensive side of the ball, I think the offense was just good enough tonight. And I mean, really, what can you say about an offense that only manages 10 points? If 10 points is good enough to win, though, you'll take that. The important thing was that the Packers didn't make the big mistake. I've got a friend who is unfortunate enough to live around a bunch of Bears fans. I mean that he lives in Chicago. He texted me tonight, just a few minutes ago, in fact, uh, that he, he observed that the, the stats were pretty much even on all sides of the ball, except for one thing. The Packers led the turnover battle. They forced one turnover. The Bears forced zero. The Packers just didn't make the big mistake. Even on the play where HaHa Clinton Dix forced a fumble on a scrambling Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers recovered and that play was ultimately wiped out by a penalty anyway. The Packers got points and they controlled the ball. And there's no better example of either of those two things than the Packers' 11th drive of the game. They took over on their own six-yard line with about 11 minutes and 48 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. That drive was either going to decide the game for the Packers or be a real problem for the Packers. As it turned out, they took a long, long time to get the ball down the field and got a field goal. A field goal is not an ideal result there, but considering first that you started on your sixth yard line and second that you made it a seven-point game, it's a, still a pretty pretty good outcome, better than it normally would have been. The amount of time they took out off the clock was significant because by the time the Bears got the ball back, they were probably only going to get one good shot at points. When they got the ball back down seven, there was about five minutes and 15 seconds on the clock. You think about a typical drive, even if you're going three and out, it's probably going to be a minute and a half, two minutes off the clock. If the Bears ran that much time off the clock, punted it, the Packers run a minute, minute and a half off the clock, suddenly you're down to 90 seconds or so, to get a touchdown. That's not ideal. The Packers put the Bears in a position where they really had one decent drive to get a touchdown, and as it turned out, it resulted in a turnover. Good enough for the Packers' offense. The big question for me after watching this win, good though it was, is what can we really take away from this game? I'm not sure, but I tend to think there's not a whole lot for a couple reasons. First, Just general early season sloppiness. Chris Collinsworth wouldn't shut up about it during the game, but I think he had a point. Neither team looked particularly sharp, especially on offense. The Packers didn't execute a whole lot on offense. Their run game was atrocious, though, again, a great defense 
So it's it's going to slow you down some. But it wasn't like they were explosive on offense. There was a lot of, of muddled stuff happening on offense. The Packers just didn't get to the line quickly. It didn't seem like they were all on the same page all the time. That's a bit of a problem. Still, like I said, they got things done, but it's not an ideal result. And I'm not sure as a result, this is the sort of game that brings a lot of long-term conclusions about what we're going to see from the offense. Secondly, Aaron Rodgers and the offense were still just a lot of Aaron Rodgers. Again, this could be just early season stuff, getting used to playing in this new system. But still, he held the ball a long time. The team was late to the line a lot. And it generally, in a lot of instances, especially third down plays, looked pretty similar to what we saw from Mike McCarthy's offense for the last however many years it was. A lot of ISO routes, a lot of one-on-ones and stuff like that. That's pretty much the offense we were trying to get away from. Again, hard to draw any long-term conclusions. We need to see more. Third, and I I don't want this to be just bash Mitchell Trubisky because I think he did a lot of good things, but he was also pretty bad tonight. This is going to be a compliment. It doesn't sound like one, but he is a scary kind of player to play against because he's a high-variance player. He can be really bad, but he could also be really good, and that's kind of hard to plan for. It's hard to plan for a guy who... It looks like Zadarius Smith has wrapped up in the backfield, but he spins out of the sack and throws the ball 30 yards, 40 yards, however many yards downfield for a big completion that's only called back because uh, Taylor Gabriel pushes off. That's hard stuff to plan for, and it's easy to see why the Bears are still high on Mitchell Trubisky, even if a lot of people around the league have written him off, the people who aren't naming him a presumptive MVP candidate, I guess that is. But he can be a scary player to play against. But that kind of player can also leave a lot of stuff on the field, and it seems like that's what he did tonight. There were a few times where it looked like, as good as he was, that Allen Robinson could have had more opportunities to catch the ball, and Trubisky just either didn't see him or didn't feel comfortable throwing him the ball for reasons that remain unclear. Mitchell Trubisky wasn't great tonight, and that was a big reason the Packers won. And it's a reason that you wonder if you saw just really good defenses or just bad offense. We'll have to look a little bit deeper into this overall trend as the season goes on. Still, the Packers got the win. It's good to be 1-0. Let's talk about a couple random takeaways before we send this game off into the good night. Uh, It was cool to see a tilde on uh, Eddie Pinheiro's jersey for the Bears. Um, this has been something the the league has been better about, just getting different unusual stuff on nameplates. You see a lot more lowercase stuff. You see a lot more like juniors and thirds and stuff like that. Uh, this was a new one for me. I think there have been some other tildes on uh, guys with uh, Spanish origin last names. This is the first time in a while that I've seen one, and that was cool to see. Another thing from the presentation tonight, uh, NBC has been going with that sort of floating spider hover cam type things more and more, and they started doing it, this is the first time I noticed it at least, um, during regular plays, not from the back though, from the side. So you've got kind of this floating camera effect on the side instead of the usual static shot. I I didn't care for it. It made me kind of nauseous. That, That was something that I could stand to do without. Back on the actual field, Uh, Kevin King had a bad dropped interception on the third Bears drive of the game. That could have been a big momentum-turning play, especially with the Packers playing relatively poorly on offense early on. 
though I did write down in my game notes that I thought Mitchell Trubisky would give it back later, and ultimately he did. More bad stuff from the Packers offense. This is something that really bothered me a lot through the Mike McCarthy era. era wasted timeouts, and this is a crucial crucial example something you just absolutely cannot do on the Packers fourth drive of the game they came out of a TV timeout after the Bears had punted and the Packers had got the ball back or whatever the the Bears might have scored whatever there was the change of the possession with the kick the Packers get the ball back they go to commercial coming back out of commercial the Packers had to burn a timeout coming to the line of scrimmage they could not get to the line of scrimmage quick enough to get a playoff having just had several minutes to talk about the play they were going to run. That is so, so bad, and it has to get straightened out. The touchdown to Jimmy Graham, I wonder if that would have been just a throwaway in 2018. So a a legitimate criticism, I'm not sure how legitimate, but it is legitimate, um, criticism of Aaron Rodgers is that he doesn't take a lot of risks with the ball, and sometimes that can result in leaving plays on the field. Nowhere was that more obvious than 2018, where he threw the ball away a ton. But on Jimmy Graham's touchdown against the Bears, it looked like Rodgers just kind of threw it up and let Graham go get it, and Graham did. And it was awesome, because we really hadn't seen much of that from Jimmy Graham since he's arrived in Green Bay. In fact, I think the only catch comparable to that happened in the preseason Last year, and I only happen to remember that play because I happened to be at that game and saw Jimmy Graham score a touchdown. Also on the Jimmy Graham play, he still seems to have some okay speed. I think he's probably the third fastest tight end, and that's not necessarily a knock against them. Robert Tanyan and uh, Jay Sternberger are both pretty quick guys. Graham is the third fastest of those three, though, but he still seems to have a really hard time getting vertical. He does not get a lot of air on his jumps. The hurdle was fun, but plays where he has to jump straight up and down, it just seems like he doesn't have a lot of juice in his legs. That's something that is that is worth watching over the course of this season. Also worth watching, speaking of lacking juice, Aaron Rodgers' arm strength might be an issue here. And I'm not sure how much stock to put into this, but you did notice a couple throws, especially in the first half where Aaron Rodgers was leaving balls short. The deep ball to Marquez Valdez-Scantling would probably have been a touchdown in 2014, but he had to come back to the ball. Part of that could be arm strength declining with Aaron Rodgers, but part of it could also just be poor fundamentals. And what I mean by that is Aaron Rodgers has really bad footwork on some of those throws. I think on the the Valdez-Scantling deep ball, both of Rodgers' feet were off the ground when he released the ball. It's really hard to get power into the football when you throw things that way. Something to keep an eye on. Pocket or arm strength could be a problem uh, for Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't know if we have enough information to, to make a definitive ruling on that, but it's something maybe to keep an eye on. Early on, it seemed like the Bears were really trying to get Aaron Rodgers to stay in the pocket, and I'm not sure that was necessarily the best strategy. The the knock on Aaron Rodgers over the past couple of years is that he does not make enough plays on schedule. He, he tries to get out of the pocket too much. He tries to to really hunt for those big plays. But if he just is forced to sit in the pocket and read the defense, he has to play within the confines of the offense. And if your offense is clicking, as it started too late in the first half of the Packers, staying in the pocket is exactly where you want to be. I don't have a a firm conclusion on that. I just thought it was interesting that Rodgers seemed to be playing well as the Bears seemed to be making a concerted effort uh, to keep Rodgers in in the pocket. 
On the Bears' fifth drive, I think we got to see a lot of what the Packers really like in Darnell Savage. And pardon me as I turn my notes over here. I want to make sure I get the play sequence right. Uh, the Bears had, let's see, one, two, three, seven plays on that drive counting the punt. There was one play that was nullified due to penalty. But on six of the non-punt plays, including the one that was taken back by penalty, Darnell Savage made a play on the ball that he wouldn't have been able to make make had he not had the world-class speed that he seems to possess. He really took Tariq Cohen out of a play very quickly, coming to the sideline early on in the drive. He made a big hit uh, when Tariq Cohen made a catch in the open field. Then he broke up a pass on third and 14. Just beautiful break on the ball, showed his speed very well. The Packers look like they've got a good one in Darnell Savage. We're still waiting to see what they've got in Rashawn Gary. I mentioned earlier that we would talk about Zedarius Smith's sack. He was credited with his sack, but it was kind of a cheapy. Uh, he was rushing upfield, and then Mitchell Trubisky ran basically right into him. Still, I thought he was disruptive throughout, and it was cool to see him get a sack. Preston Smith get a sack. He's currently credited with a sack and a half. That may change. And Adrian Amos to get a pick. Three big free agent signings for the Packers. Three big plays uh, by each of them. The Bears had a drive tonight slash last night that ended with a third and 40 play. That was entirely derailed by penalties. That drive was just utterly destroyed. But penalties were pretty even to that point. Even after a third consecutive penalty on the Bears, the totals to that point were eight penalties for 61 yards against Green Bay and eight penalties for 92 yards against Chicago. And that last number may be a little bit deceiving because the penalty against Taylor Gabriel wiped a huge completion off the board. Big yardage there. Back on the Packers side of the ball, I would be a little bit concerned if I was Lane Taylor because it looked like he got pushed around big time against the Bears. That's not necessarily the worst thing in the world because the Bears push around a lot of people. They've got a great front defensive line. But to me, it still seems like not a matter of if but when we see Elton Jenkins there. I feel pretty okay about not starting a rookie in week one, especially when it's week one against the Bears defensive line. But I think we saw why Lane Taylor versus Elton Jenkins was a thing against the Bears. Interesting note by NBC. The last time the Packers beat the Bears on the road, scoring fewer 10 points or fewer, was all the way back in 1932. And let's talk about that game for a second because there is some, some kind of interesting stuff there. That game took place on October 16th. 1932, Curly Lambeau, still the head coach for the Green Bay Packers there, facing off against Ralph Jones, the head coach of the 0-1-3, three ties, yes, for the Chicago Bears uh, heading into this game. Uh, the Packers come out on top 2 to nothing that day at Wrigley Field, courtesy of a blocked punt. What an exciting game that would have been. Interestingly enough, the Packers and Bears also had a 0-0 to tie that year. Bear, the Bears also beat the Packers 9 to nothing. So three games between the Bears and Packers in 1932 resulted in a grand total of 11 points. Football in the old days was weird. Finally, finally, I know this could change as the weather finally someday gets cold, stuff like that, but J.K. Scott was awesome. Tonight, you talk about a field-flipping punter, especially as the Bears got deeper and deeper into the second half. He pinned them deep again and again and again, and it was cool to see. That's a legitimate weapon if you can have that kind of guy around. 
Um, it was it was pretty cool to see. Finally, finally, I thought the coolest thing of this win tonight was what happened immediately after the final whistle went off. As the time was winding down, NBC goes to a sideline shot of Matt LaFleur enjoying the final moments of his first win as a head coach. Mike Pettin is going out of his way to shake his hand, tell him he's doing a good job. Sean Menenga, a guy who's been around quite a bit as well, is right there with him. And Aaron Rodgers comes up and uh, really gives it to Mike Pettin. The two-handed shove in the chest as a total guy thing. That actually is, a, I guess, a compliment. There's no other really way to put it. But it's cool to see everybody on the same page together like that. That was something, that kind of emotion, that kind of apparent closeness was something so lacking from the the Mike McCarthy Packers over the last few years of his tenure. And it was good to see at least a small dose of it here early on. What happens next for the Packers? Well, they've got the Vikings at Lambeau Field next Sunday, a noon kickoff. The Vikings are opening their season with the Atlanta Falcons in Minnesota this week. Going to be an exciting game. The Packers owe the Vikings some payback too here. Uh, be sure to get your tickets from K- Ticket King, theticketking.com, if you want to head to that game in person. Big thanks to them for sponsoring a few of our shows this year. We will be back on Monday. Gary's probably going to be along for the ride. Uh, look for a Patreon podcast if you are a supporter from us in the near future. If you're not a supporter yet, consider uh, joining joining us at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. You'll get some bonus content there. We're going to try to crank that up a little bit as we go throughout the course of the season. We do want to reward the people who are generous enough to support us there uh, with a little bit of bonus content. Uh, you'll still get the same amount of podcasts in, in the regular feed and stuff like that. There's just going to be a few extras uh, from me and from Gary at, at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Buck a month is all it costs. Consider supporting us there. And thank you very much if you have already supported us there. Do appreciate you listening in. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to head off to bed now because it's very late and I've got a young child who got me up very early this morning and figures to do the very same thing here. He was not super interested in the Packers game, but he's only eight weeks old. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll bring him around on that a little bit. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, go Packers. 1-0 is a great place to be. We'll see you next week.